Welcome. You're listening to The Rescue Radio, a podcast by Portland Mountain Rescue. And I'm your host, Anja Viktorovich. Memorial Weekend of 2020 has been a very busy weekend. PMR has already been on a standby, knowing that many people tired of being on a pandemic lockdown would head into the hills. When on Friday, May 22nd, a rescue call came from the Sheriff's Department. Today, I would like to introduce Paige Bucker and Nick Larson. Both of them were present during that mission. One as a rescuer and one as a rescuee. Welcome to the both of you. Paige, if you could introduce yourself first. Yeah, so hi, my name is Paige Bucker. I'm a support level member with uh, PMR. I've been with PMR for three years. Um, in real life, I'm a professor, a biology professor at Pacific University, and I also teach outdoor classes. I teach rock climbing and mountaineering. Fabulous. And Nick? Hi, I'm Nick. Um, I'm the rescue E from that day, and uh, I've been in healthcare for the last, I'd say, 12, 15 years. Uh, I've been snowboarding for at least 18 to 20 years, and uh, it's my passion. It's my love. Awesome. All right. So, so let's jump right in. So Nick, take us to that day. I mean, what were your plans? Were you even planning on climbing Mount Hood? Yeah. So I read that they were going to be getting, I'd say, I think it was like a nine inch, nine to 12 inch day and it was Memorial Day weekend. And I mean, I couldn't resist. Um, I was already staying in uh, Gresham, I think that evening. Um, and uh, had to bring the board, and I was just planning to go up to Palmer Lift, um, staying with a friend, and um, got up at five in the morning, and had some of the had a great climb up. Um, it was a bluebird morning, and yeah, there was a lot of headwind coming up, but um, you know, I, you just couldn't stop me. And once I got to the Palmer Lift, I felt so good, and uh, I've seen my friends. I've, I've been going to Hood since I was fourteen to the summer snowboard camps. And that's what ultimately brought me out to Oregon from Wisconsin originally. And I've seen my friends just hop up there. No problem. I was like, yeah, I can do it. And I've summited pretty much all the mountains in um, central Oregon solo. And I was like, why can I do this one? The weather looked great. Yeah. What was the weather like? Weather. I mean, like I said, a strong headwind, it was bluebird up top. Um, there was some inversion going on, but you know, in my eyes, and you know, I'm a Midwesterner and still learning this stuff, um, but not not an amateur by any means. I didn't read the the weather like I I wanted to, um, but yeah, but I, I didn't read read it well. And they did call for some um, some weather coming in. I think they said maybe an additional one to two inches, but nothing how it was. And I know Hood creates his own weather system coming up, and that's exactly what happened. Those r- clouds rose to the top, and you know, I was blindsided. Right. So, so you were on top of Palmer, and then you decided to keep going. Yeah, I kept going up up through the pearly gates. Um, you know, again, it was it was going great. I mean, other than a little bit of wind, I was having a great time. And you know, as soon as I got you know within maybe ten feet of the top. It changed so quickly wow. within, I mean, honestly, minutes. Wow. Yeah. And I was still confident that I would be fine. Um, 
getting back, you know, but I made the decision to start climbing down into a safe spot where I could put my board on. And, um, I just started side slipping till to the point where I thought that it would be safe, but it never cleared up. So you actually made it to the summit then? And yeah, yeah, it? 10 feet from the summit. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to claim it, Yeah, yeah. but it was... I think it counts. It was close enough. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I yeah. feel like I could throw a... Yeah. Yeah, been, I would have been And there. that's when the weather turned. That's yeah. when the weather turned, and um, it kind of just... And I've been in days like this before. Like at Bachelor, I've fallen off how many cat tracks where the ground just gives way underneath you, and you yeah. just can't see. It's yeah. like you're inside of a ping pong ball. And... Um, when that happened, yeah, so I, like I said, I was side slipping and I couldn't tell up from down and down from up. And I was just kind of feeling my way with my trekking pole and I knew there was crevasses. I knew there was cliffs. I, I knew the terrain fairly well, but when you don't have your senses, I, I mean, everything that I knew was lost. Yeah. It was gone. Yeah. I was dry heaving. Um, because I, I just I felt so sick. I was so nauseous. And I was just screaming, to be honest with you. I was yeah. screaming at the clouds, like, just let up. Just get, yeah. I needed just, yeah. honestly, 30 seconds would have allowed me to at least navigate some sort of line, um, some sort of sense of direction. But little did I know that the fall line was slowly taking me to that north side of the mountain. Right. And so as I was side slipping, and I kept falling because I just I couldn't tell if I was moving. I would. I thought I would stop, but then all of a sudden I just started tumbling, and it was oh. such a euphoric, terrible feeling. And what I felt was a small little slide happen, which sent me tumbling. And then once I started tomahawking down the mountain, all bets were off. I lost oh. my whippet that I had. Wow. I think I still had my ice axe at the time, and um, I just I had no sense of anything. And so then I found myself way far. I still thought I was within riding length of Timberline, but mm -hmm. I, I I didn't. I mean, I if I had a compass, that would have helped immensely. Um, I had Strava running, ate my battery. That was a really dumb thing to be doing. Do you know where you ended up? Um, it was on the north side. Uh There's a term for it. I know it's called the the hood triangle. I think mm -hmm. a lot of folks call mm -hmm. it. But yeah, Wednesday I just started trying to traverse as much as I possibly could, and the snow was so thick, and that we had sleet, rain, blinding snow. I mean everything. I was I had drift drift snowshoes, and so what those are little approach skis, two point four pounds. A little company out of Utah. They have skins on the base of them. Mm -hmm. They have risers. I mean they're. Now that I'm split boarding, it's the same, yeah. if not more. They just don't have edges. Yeah. That's the only thing. But they were getting me through the really heavy stuff, but it was just a slog. Um, I was running very low on water. Um, I had a couple protein bars left, and I, I've been on the rescue side before. Mm -hmm. I was an EMT fire for many years until I'd, uh, I broke my neck in a mountain bike accident, mm -hmm. and that kind of took me out of it. And um So I know you shouldn't be eating the snow, yeah. but yet I was, I'm like, I'm just going to take just a little bit, just a little bit here. And how much time has passed since the summit at this point? Say maybe, yeah, maybe two hours, an hour to two hours. Yeah. Um, 
until I realized I was in trouble. You know, you never think it's going to happen to you until it does. You know, it's like I've done all these other mountains before. I've, I've gotten myself out of these situations before. And the reason why I love solo mountaineering is that it's only you out there. Yeah. You're the only person that can get you out of the situation. And obviously that, that wasn't the case here, you know, and it's a very humbling feeling to have to call 911. You never think you're going to have to. Yeah. Mother nature doesn't care. Mother nature yeah. doesn't care. The mountain doesn't care. Yeah. The mountain doesn't owe you anything. Yeah. And just a side note on, on Mount Hood, like I said, I've been coming to Mount Hood since, you know, I was 14 and that's the first, it's the only thing I ever wanted to do in life was I, I took a photography class um, at High Cascade Snowboard Camp with Tim Zimmerman and um, some of the other really heavy names in, in uh, the snowboarding world. And that's all I want to do. People want to be doctors and lawyers. I'm like, I just want to move to Oregon and snowboard year round. That's it. And, uh, and two years prior to that, my father had passed away and um, Mount Hood was the last family trip that we had taken together. Mm-hmm. And so I had spread my ashes, my father's ashes mm-hmm. on Mount Hood mm-hmm. um, a year prior to. And so I kind of had this false sense of security, I'd say. He's watching that, over you. Yeah, that nothing's going to happen, yeah. you know. And I live for this. Like, I live for this type of thing. And I'm like, I'm going to get myself out of it. Mm-hmm. This, it'll be all right. Mm-hmm. It'll be a slog, but I'll, I'll get out. And I just kept thinking, just one more ridge. It's just one more ridge over. And I and I kept going. And I got to the second, third, fourth ridge. And just more and more endless. <laughs> and it was such a defeating feeling. I'm like, I have to call. I have 2% left in my phone. Wow. And I have to call. I, I just have to. And um, Before we get into the call, what yeah. kind of equipment did you have with you? So I had, um, and, and I will admit, I didn't have my normal stuff. You know, it was May. This was kind of a spur of the moment trip coming up here. Um, you know, I only had a, I had a base layer with a, um, uh, I had a shell over that as well. I mean, it was pretty nice coming up. Um, so I just had two layers with me and I had about 30 liters of water, um, five or six protein bars and you think that would last you a bunch of tangerines and things like that. Mm-hmm. I had ice axe, I had a whippet, I had crampons. Um, obviously those drift snowshoes, um, and my, my power board, you know, Burton board. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I thought I had what I needed. Yeah. And, um, but normally I have my first aid kit with me and normally I have, um, you know, extra food. I, I carry, you know, a lot of stuff with a lot of calories in there because, you know, you're, you got to put in what you're taking out, you know, and right. Um, right. this was just supposed to be a little John up the Palmer. Right. Yeah. That, it was supposed to be a three hour ride, yeah. you know, or a three hour climb just yeah. to the top and then yeah. back down. And going back to the 911 call, what happens afterwards? So when I called 911, um, this was around 6 p.m. And little did I know that I notified my friend who was in town that I stayed with. Um, she had already called me in as a missing person, I think around four or five. Oh, wow. So, so I did I did notify saying that I'm doing this thing. If I'm not back by, I think I, I said 4 p.m., you know, something's up. And, you know, it was, and she did what she was supposed to. She called. And I'm very, very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and that got things moving. And then once I called, um, I gave him my coordinates. Um, and it was a very quick call because I was like, the phone's dying. It's extremely cold, you know, with an iPhone battery and everything like that. It's it's going to go quick. Mm-hmm. And um, and so being on the other side of of rescues, you know, I, I know. I mean, you got to stay where you where you are. And it wasn't the best location. It's not mm-hmm. a location I wanted to be in by any means. It was right on top of a ridge line. Um, I'd rather have been tucked away in the trees where I can have kind of like built a little. So you didn't nook. get to the tim- uh, to the tree line yet. It was, I want to say, just above the tree line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just above wow. it. So you were pretty exposed. I was pretty exposed, but I found shelter behind this boulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole idea behind that was I was going to dig a pit, um, just just the side of it, and I would start a fire for heat reflection off the mm-hmm. rock and. Again, normally I would have this the stuff for this, and I had two lighters, and everything had rhyme on it, like the twigs and everything had rhyme, like everything was encased in ice, and everything was damp, and I didn't have my headlamp, like I always carry a headlamp, mm-hmm. didn't have that, and so when I'm, I dug my hole, you know, I had my shovel as well too, so I had that, and um, I kept dropping the lighter because my hands were frozen, oh. and even to this day, like the, the flick of a lighter still gets my heart racing because I tried for hours, hours to get something going. And, I, and I'm like, I'm going to die if I don't get this started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would go through little bits of like, I'm okay. I, I got this. Like, I'll be fine. You know, I'll get like a little flame and get something. And, and then it would just die off because it was so wet. Oh, you know, it just there's just moisture in the yeah, air too, yeah. you know. And um, I would just, I would start screaming. Yeah. And I knew no one's going to hear me. And I just, I'd, I would go back to it, you know. And then, like, well, I'm sure my hand was raw from flicking the ladder. And... So you call 911. Mm-hmm. And then you tried to start the fire. Yeah. Yeah. That And that obviously wasn't working. And um, I was going through little bits of having panic attacks because. And this is where I get, you know, kind of choked up over the situation is mm-hmm. because my dog was in the car. You know, oh, this was no. supposed to be a three-hour thing. Yeah. I bring my dog everywhere. And, you yeah. know, we we live in the bachelor parking lot yeah. for a season. It was like the best season ever. So he knows <laughs> what that that's like. And, yeah. and um, so I left the windows cracked for him. I had a food and water for him and everything. And again, this was supposed to be a three-hour day. Yeah. Nothing crazy. And I just, I was sobbing thinking about my dog and, you know, knowing that whatever's happening, he doesn't know what's happening, you know. And right. I think just thinking of his warmth, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I truly envisioned as I was cold. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the core, you know. Mm-hmm. It was once the, once the sun set, you know, I was thinking everything's going to be fine. I thought that, you know, coming from the Midwest, they just send a snowmobile over from mm-hmm. T line. It'd be no yeah. big deal. It'd be fine. And I'm like, sunset. They're not. I don't think they're coming. I, they're just, they're not coming. Yeah. And <clears throat> I turn my phone back on just for for a minute, and uh, I sent a text to my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I th- thought it was going to be my last text that I sent, yeah. you know, and uh, 
it was scary. Mm-hmm. Um, very scary. I mean, the, it, like I said, once the sun went down, that's when things set in. Mm-hmm. That's when you just, you put, I put on everything that I had, everything and just hope and prayed. Yeah. And, and just feeling that cold inside, you know, cause you're, you're, you know, when you're wet and you're just, you couldn't get warm to save your life. I mean, it was just yeah. something else. And then I, somehow I just, I just passed out. I don't know how, I, but uh, that's the last thing I remember is the sun going down and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that's where I met Paige. Right. So cue page. <laughs> yeah. So this is where we come in. Right. So I want to say, first of all, that I haven't seen Nick since that night, yeah. day, morning, all day, yeah. 20 hours. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I'm really happy to see you alive. Yes. Yeah. Very, it's, very happy to see you. Yeah, thank you. And, and you I'm as well. Really happy you're getting out and still doing the things that you love to do. Yeah. That's important. It's been, I follow you on Facebook. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I'm like, look, he's back. It's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we got the call out about eight or eight 30, um, I think in the evening. Mm-hmm. And I was actually planning on skiing the next day because of all the snow, the new snow. Mm-hmm. There's going to be like a couple of feet up on hood and a buddy of mine, Micah Hoover, who was also on the rescue, a really good friend of mine, also on PMR. We're planning to go skiing the next day. And I was actually, um, packing for a ski trip. And so I was, when we got the call out, I was like, well, I'll just go now. It'll, it'll be fine. Um, we got up there about 10 o'clock, I guess. And, um, it was the, we knew we had to get to you quickly, um, because of the dropping temperatures and the, the weather was coming in lots of snow, lots of, it was white out, right? Like high avalanche potential. So we knew we had to get to you quickly. And so we spent about an hour working on logistics. There were six, seven of us that responded. How was the weather at that time? The weather at that time at Timberline, it was blowing snow. My memory is it was blowing snow. Okay. It wasn't terrible, but it was, it was, it was snowy. But and was the, it a, a whiteout or? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, so you could still kind of, kind of see. Yeah. Um, spent about an hour getting everything together, um, getting a plan together while on state at base. Mm-hmm. And the other six of us went up in the cat. So we, we went up in the snow cat to the top of Palmer. Um, and basically what, what you did was what, which a lot of people do is you took the fall line down from the crater rock mm-hmm. and the fall line takes you way too far to the West. Mm-hmm. And so you end up at the top of a feature called Mississippi head, which is a cliff. Um, oh, and then <clears throat> most people go kind of to skiers left of Mississippi head to avoid the cliff and end up in a really big Canyon called zigzag Canyon. Mm-hmm. So you were way, you were way down in that Canyon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the thing is the good thing is we had your GPS coordinates. So we knew exactly where you were mm-hmm. and you stayed put. Um, which is the only reason we were able to find you <clears throat> because my understanding is you only had like a couple of percent left on your phone when you called 911. Mm-hmm. So you did the exact right things or else we would never have found you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to the top of Palmer. I think it was at like midnight mm-hmm. and then we had to traverse uh, west and then, and then down into the canyon. So you were, I think about, I'm not exactly sure, 2,000 to 2,500 vertical feet below us. And so you said that you thought they'd just send a sled up from Timberline, but the mm-hmm. terrain you were in was, it's really complex. It's big mm-hmm. and it's complex terrain. And it was also, um, uh, had the potential to be really avalanche because we were, you know, the slopes we were on, some of them were greater than 35, 40 degrees. Mm-hmm. There was at least a foot of new snow, if not more on the wind loaded sides, it was windy. Um, it was blowing snow. And so as we were descending down into the zigzag Canyon, 
uh, we were continually doing pit tests. Like we were digging hasty pits and doing like hand shear tests yeah, to see. Yeah. And I actually thought the snow was fine. I have regretted not bringing my skis because <laughs> it was like, like really fun to ski. But, so wait, were you on foot? We were on foot yeah. because we'd all brought our skis up to the top of Palmer. But like as soon as we stepped off the cat, mm-hmm. it was like a sheet of ice up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we decided that it would be best. And also it was dark. Mm-hmm. We were we knew mm-hmm. we were going to encounter whiteout conditions. And so we thought it'd be best if we were mm-hmm. all on foot. Mm-hmm. Um Flip side of that is we were walking around in our ski boots, <laughs> right? Which, which is fine, right? Yeah. Might have a 60-degree articulation, so yeah. fine. Um, but yeah, so we brought our skis up, but we didn't ski. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, and it was it ended up being a very good decision. Mm-hmm. Because when you're navigating in the whiteout, in right. the dark, mm-hmm. it's just really hard to figure mm-hmm. out where you're going. And if you're on skis, it's going to be impossible right. almost. And yeah. it's pretty complex terrain. Micah tunneled through a couple of cornices. <laughs> like, oh, it was pretty cool. exciting. Oh, wow. Right? Um, and so he's he's a, incredible with navigation in the dark in a whiteout. <laughs> the craziest thing that I remember is we were down, we were about a thousand vertical feet from you. And I can't remember exactly where you were. You were between 5,500 and 6,000 feet. And I, I can't remember exactly where you were. Mm-hmm. But we would stop periodically and do what's called a whistle blast. And so we would stop and everybody would be quiet. We'd do three long blasts and listen for you. And after the first one that we did, turns out four of the six of us are hard of hearing, apparently. <laughs> so, like, I was listening and I was like, I heard him. Did anybody else hear that? And everyone was like, nope, nope. Micah was like, I think I heard something. It turns out the other four of them hard of hearing, <laughs> which is useful skill to have when you're a rescuer. <laughs> And so I heard you, Mike and I heard you from a thousand vertical feet below when you were a thousand vertical feet below us. Wow. And I was like, that is crazy. Because we had your GPS coordinates. So we, it was Nick yelling back then? He was yelling back. And so I talked to him about that later and I said, Could you hear the whistle blasts? And you said that you saw our lights. And so you just started yelling. And so you weren't actually responding to the whistles, you just saw our lights. Mm-hmm. Um But I was like, yeah, I totally hear him. I hear him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then we got faster (laughs) Mm because we knew that you were still Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't have a lot of stuff with us because we're what's called a hasty team. And so our job is to get there quickly and make sure that you are going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So we didn't have a whole lot of stuff. We thought you were going to be ambulatory. We thought we were going to be a little more conscious than you were. And so we had a pair of snowshoes because the plan was to get to you and then basically to walk back up to the top of Palmer with you and then take the cat down. Hmm. Um, but when we did get to you, <clears throat> took us two, about two hours to get to you um, because the, the nav- it was it's complex terrain mm-hmm. and Micah was doing an excellent job navigating us all. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. it was, I mean, up and down over ridges um, and, you know, avalanche kind of stuff. So it took us about two hours to, to, to find you. And we did find you. You were um, outside. You had built a snow cave or some type of shelter. And you were outside of it, um, yelling and waving. And we were very, very happy to see you <laughs> alive, right? And mm-hmm. conscious. You had, I, if my memory serves me, you had, your shell wasn't on anymore. And you just had your base layer on and one of your gloves was gone. Mm. And so our first job was to warm you up, right? Because we knew that you were probably very cold to warm you up and then to assess your condition. And so what we did, we took, we took your wet clothes off. We put some dry clothes on you, could put a couple of puffs on you. And then we made a little nest. Um, I was assigned psychological first aid, which basically means um, keep the patient comfortable, calm, 
um, make them a part of their rescue of their own rescue if you can, and just you know assure them that they're safe and basically just talk to them. And talking is my superpower, so I was going to put my superpower to good use. Yeah. I was like, I can do this. I can talk. Yeah. It's my job. Um, and so we we made a little nest that I was sitting on a pack, and we had you sitting on a foam pad. Um, and we just needed to warm you up and we didn't have a whole lot of stuff. We didn't have any heating blankets or anything like that. And so we used what we could and what we could use was body heat. Right. Mm -hmm. So most of the time you were kind of, you were sitting next to me and you were in and out of consciousness, but you were kind of in my lap. Most of the time, like Mm -hmm. you're draped over my lap. I had my arm around you because Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep you warm. Mm -hmm. And then Tom Gall was nestled on the other side. So you had a lot of, you had some body heat there. And then we had a tarp on top of us. Mm -hmm. Um, when I when I met you at the parking lot, <laughs> <laughs> I was delirious. Twenty hours yeah. on the mountain. So I I was there because we got called to that mission and then to the second mission. But when I met you, I asked you how your night was, and he said, "You said it was great. It was better than sitting in the bar. I had a stranger sitting on my lap calling me Claire all night." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were calling me Claire. Yeah. Um, well, and the thing was like. You so I'm not a medical professional, mm-hmm. but I've had my woofer for eight years, and mm-hmm. I've I've treated field injuries mostly mm-hmm. like you know lacerations from falls or like a broken ankle or or something. Um, um, but the thing is, I've never been in such close proximity to someone who was clearly alive, <laughs> but may not be in the next couple of hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so because again, I'm not a medical professional, but I was in talking to you. So we have the scale called AVPU. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. like, d- different like levels of consciousness. Like purple. I was pretty sure you were voice responsive, mm-hmm. right? And so, and that is alarming to me, right? That's a anybody, pretty sombering experience. Anybody that's yeah. not awake, there's anybody that's not A, I'm, yeah. you know, it was like a level one immediate evac mm-hmm. for in my, you know, for my welfare training. And so you weren't volunteering information. All that you knew was your name. <clears throat> and you, you, you told me your name was Nick. And then your, your last name, I couldn't tell because it was, your, it was slurred. Mm. But you didn't know where you were. You kept. You thought I was with Batchy Ski Patrol most of the time, and I was like, I'm, I'm assuming he's talking about Mount Bachelor, but um, that's not where we are. <clears throat> and then you, uh, you didn't know where you were, what had happened, or the time, or the date, or anything, and you thought you were on Mount Bachelor. Mm. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> this is. And I remember, um, I remember getting, I remember being very scared because I was like. I was like, I don't want this guy to literally die on me. I mean, you're on me. And I was like, you yeah. can die. Yeah. I don't want him to die on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was, I had a moment of like, I was like really scared for you mm-hmm. and for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> scared for both of us. Yeah. And I remember thinking that I was going to do everything in my power mm-hmm. to make sure that you were going to be alive mm-hmm. after the next couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And I was looking around at my team and I was like, well, if anybody can keep this guy alive, it's this team that I'm with. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have Tom Gall, we have... Pierce, uh, Pierce yeah. um, Antonio was there, Bronze yeah. was there, Micah was really, there. Really, really strong team. Super yeah. strong team. Yeah. And I was like, if anybody can do it, we can do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just chatted with you for the next five hours. <laughs> and then the second team showed up? Yeah. So yeah. after so after a couple of hours, they, we built a snow shelter mm-hmm. and we stayed warm. Bronze tried to start a fire, failed. Oh, wow. He wandered off that into the woods it, looking for wood, and I was like, "Makes it feel luck. better." Yeah, by the way. thank you. <laughs> there was no starting that fire. Yeah, yeah so um, we were there for about five hours, and I didn't, I was didn't get cell service, so I didn't see the call out. But Nick uh, Maslin was telling me that the call out said something about uh, PMR Hasty Team stranded on Hood or something. No, they said that you are exhausted. Oh, like me personally? No, the oh. <laughs> the team Hasty Team is exhausted, too exhausted to. Uh, 
bring the patient back up themselves. So they were asking for a second team to come in. Right. So part of it was you weren't ambulatory, so we couldn't walk you out. Mm -hmm. We couldn't land a helicopter because the weather was too bad. So we talked about all all of that, right? (laughs) We we called for a helicopter, right? We couldn't do that. We didn't have a litter with us, so we couldn't really, we couldn't move you. So we couldn't go anywhere with, with, without you. And we weren't going to go anywhere without you. So we had to have a second team come and they came, um, about five hours later, I think it was around seven in the morning. It was right after sunrise. So it was like the sun comes up and then all of a sudden, like the PMR rescue team shows up on the horizon. Yeah. It's like, oh, slow-mo. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I've been sitting on this ice axe on my left butt cheek for the last five hours and I'm numb and I just want to get up. Yeah. Um, wow. but the second team came, we packaged you in the litter um, and then started walking with you. Um, and I don't remember how many people were on that team. There was at least five. Scott Morton was a rescue leader. Um, we were all super delirious though, cause we'd been up all night. Mm-hmm. So we packaged you. Um, and at that point I was pretty confident you were going to live because you're funny. <laughs> you're a pretty funny guy. Yeah. <laughs> you said some pretty yes. funny things. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, so the second team showed up at about seven in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and they rescued us. They had a litter, warming pads, everything. They packaged you. And then we dragged you. We decided the best thing to do is we couldn't get you up when we came down. It was mm-hmm. it was going to be exhausting. So we mm-hmm. took you down to Paradise Park instead, yeah. which is Kiwanis Camp. It's like um, it wasn't where we left our cars. <laughs> it wasn't Timberline, right? It's actually quite a bit below Timberline. But it was the best way to, to get you out. I remember that. Um, and so we dragged you uh, down to uh, basically below Treeline that we met up with a team of um, P&W SAR folks mm-hmm. that were there. And they're amazing. Yeah. They are amazing. They, and they are, helped yes. us. We were all tired. So they helped us yeah. drag the litter out. And then by the time we got to below Snowline, we were able to put a wheel. They were able to put a wheel on the litter. Mm-hmm. And then they took off. We couldn't keep up with them. They were fast. Mm-hmm. We got down to the dirt. Um, and then they took off and we couldn't keep up with them. We had like all kinds of gear with us and we were walking in ski boots. Right. And so we were taking, we were placing bets about who's going to lose which toenail. I think, yeah, Pierce lost the toenail. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure. Oscar said he was going to lose a toenail. I have great boots. So yeah. my toes are fine. Yeah. But, uh. Wait, so what time did you get to the uh, parking lot? I think we got down to Kiwanis Camp. I can't, like, I really can't remember. It was in the afternoon, early afternoon. Wow. Um, probably like around, I think I want to say around like two. The sheriff had pizza for us. I ate a lot of pizza. Yeah. It was delicious. Yeah. Um, and then we handed you off to the, I believe we handed you off to the rats, put you in an ambulance. At that point, you were sitting up talking um, back to mm-hmm. being awake and alert. You were concerned about your gear, your snowboard, your boots, because we were taking your boots off because your feet were wet, mm-hmm. and your dog. Um, and so you were you were very much awake by then. So yeah, I have to ask about Nitro. What happened to the dog? So little did I know that uh, a couple by the names of Brad and Dina were camping in the parking lot that weekend, and they were parked next to uh, myself. And uh, they had noticed Nitro being in this Tacoma um, with the windows cracked. And you know, once night fell. They were concerned. They were like, mm-hmm. this guy is not coming back. Yeah. You know, we've been here all day and this he has not returned. Mm-hmm. And so, and obviously he wouldn't leave his windows cracked like this if he wasn't going to be back yeah. soon. And so they were kind of feeding him treats and things like that and, and things through the window. And uh, at that point, I think, you know, in the, sometime in the evening, um, the sheriff had gotten into the vehicle and, um, and let Nitro out. And so... What I was told, and this is uh, just a heartwarming thing, is as soon as he was let out, he went straight to the climber's trail. 
Oh. He knew exactly. I mean, you give this he dog time, for you. he probably would have been able to find me. Yeah. You know, no matter how far, how long, yeah. he would have gotten there. He would have been half dead, but he would have gotten to yeah. me. And um, oh. he's what kept me alive, truly. Yeah. I mean, thinking of his warmth is, is everything. And yeah. so it's... Oh, amazing, amazing people. It, it, truly. Yeah. I mean, that... Oh, and I, you know, I feel for my mom too, cause you know, to get that phone call at that late mm-hmm. at night, you know, Wisconsin's two hours behind. And was know, she in contact with the sheriff or she, she was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, uh, Nick, you bring up a really good point about mental health first aid. How did this whole event, um, affect you mentally? Um, Pierce had called me about a week after the accident. He didn't have to do it. That's the most beautiful thing. He didn't have to call me. Getting a call from your hero, like, yeah. I was like a fanboy, you know, <laughs> like, oh my God, you know. And, but the things that he was mentioning, you don't think about the psychological after effects. It, he, he was checking up on my mental health. And just as I mentioned, it was hard to relate to people afterwards. You know, most people don't go through that sort of situation. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing that he called to check up on. And I consider him a dear, dear, dear friend. And Pierce is amazing like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm staying at his house tonight. So it's, um, you know, he's going to be a lifelong friend. And uh, I hope to ski with all you guys. And um it's nice hearing this again, and and the biggest thing I want to take away from this is, as I kind of mentioned to you before we, you know, started this was, um, you know, educating and getting out of this mindset of be, being vulnerable. I guess um, is important, um, and to get that knowledge out there, uh, even the most experienced guys. I'm not saying I'm the most experienced mm-hmm. guy out there. I'm not. But I do have experience, mm-hmm. and it's not my first rodeo, mm-hmm. that it could happen to anyone. You know, we're human. You know, we make mistakes, and sometimes you forget. Mm-hmm. And I want the dialogue to be that it's okay to ask. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want this whole macho man mentality because it's going to kill people right. in that, in that right. sense. And yeah. so I think it's important to talk about this stuff. And um, we love this this thing a lot of people think it's crazy what we do mm-hmm. it's you know we're all kind of cut from the same cloth and it's a lot of people maybe would say it's selfish and you know and knowing what you guys went through to get to me to save my life i mean i think it was 14 miles you guys like all said and done mm-hmm. it was i mean it's so humbling and i like i said i'm forever grateful and obviously, that's never the mindset you know that you're gonna get wind up in that situation. Right. This but is a this is a perfect segue to my next question: is yeah. um, what are the learnings? What like what would you change? What would you what would you do different? Totally. I mean, even if if you're going out for you know a six mile hike, mm-hmm. you don't know what's what could happen. I mean. You could snap a femur. You can, you know, hit your head on something. And, you know, I live in Bend where it can be an 80 degrees perfect day and then 40 degrees at night. And you need to be prepared for anything. I mean, there's wildlife even. There's I mean, so many things that could happen. You know, having your 10 essentials with you, having navigation, having something to start a fire. I mean, extra food, extra water, mm-hmm. you know, like a little shelter, a bivy, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. 
And like I mentioned before, I, I have these things. I don't know why I didn't. I was like, I just going to be a quick jaunt, mm-hmm. you know, to the top. Because mm-hmm. I, I always being prepared. Yeah. Like, like I said, even the smallest trips require right. something. Just yeah. always assume that you're going to spend the night. Right. One really, really good thing you did that you mentioned is you let your friend know where you're going and um, yeah. to call someone if you're not back on time. Yeah. Um, not many people think about it. I don't even... Well, I let my husband know when I go on like longer climbs. and But when I go on a hike, we don't really talk about time when I should be back. I don't yeah. think about it because it's, you know, it's just going to be four or six miles, you know, what could go wrong. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's you got to let someone know where you're going. Yeah. Especially Hood, too. It's like one of the most yeah. um, accessible mountains and it kills the most people because of yeah. how accessible yeah. it is. And but, it looks like it's a pretty easy climb. It's kind of like Shasta. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I could jump up there. No right. problem. But right. A and a lot of people get lucky. They yeah. go unprepared, then they summit, then they get home and post pictures online. Right. And they're like, well, if he did it, I can do it. And that's and that's another thing. And what I've kind of been mentioning with Pierce and, and some of the other PMR guys is, how many times have you gotten home and you said, yeah, that was a close one or that yeah. could have gotten... Yeah. Pretty bad, pretty yeah. quick. And um, the other thing is learning wise. So you asked me a couple of times what you did wrong um, when we were talking. I actually think the most important one is going to is navigation. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you get caught in a whiteout, you can bring a compass. Compass isn't going to help you very much in a whiteout because you have to be able to see where you're coming from and where you're going. Mm-hmm. And so I always, I mean, I carry. Um, I'm actually terrified of getting caught in a whiteout because mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want what happened to me to yeah. happen to you. And so yeah. I carry. I actually carry two pieces of navigation. Pretty much anytime I go anywhere, I carry an inReach, which is, and I carry the full one with the Garmin, mm-hmm. um, which has a navigation. It's got like the Garmin navigation GPS unit in it, mm-hmm. and it has the SOS button. Mm-hmm. And they're kind yeah. of expensive, um, and they're kind of heavy, yeah. but I carry it all the time with me, pretty much no matter where I go. Even if I'm just going to do a Palmer lap, mm-hmm. like I just throw it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's clunky, it's heavy, but the battery life is 72 hours. And so it's going to outlast your cell phone. True. Um, so it's got a great battery life on it. The other thing is I always carry my cell phone and I use, um, and there's a number of different uh, navigation apps that you can use. We all use Gaia yeah. in, um, uh, in PMR. And there's like, there's a couple other ones. I think Caltopo is coming out with one. And then there's another one that Avenza, I think is one. Uh, yeah, I yeah. use that. But Gaia, Gaia yeah. is free. You can get a free version of it. You can just download it on your phone and it works even when you don't get cell service. Mm-hmm. Um, because where you were, I believe we weren't getting cell service when you're down in that canyon. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the places on Hood, on the south side, you do get cell service. But on the north side, no cell service. And down in that canyon, you're not going to get cell. Well, you must have got a little bit to get that call out. to. to I had share. one bar, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, so Gaia works even when you don't have cell service, as long as you download the maps. And I think if you'd have had some way to navigate yourself back... I think you would have realized that you were way too far to the west. Totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that would be really my only suggestion. If you're gonna, if you're gonna remember one thing, mm-hmm. oh yeah, navigation. Well, the most important thing you can do, right, is learn from your experiences. That's it, exactly. Teach other people yeah. what yes. you learned from them, yes. so they don't make the same mistakes. And okay. I've been, I've been coaching for a long time. I coach mountain biking, and then I was a freestyle snowboard mm-hmm. coach for a long time. And so, what I made sure to do this past spring was to educate the kids that I was mm-hmm. coaching. Um, off the Mackenzie River, what's in your pack? You know, because mm-hmm. like I said, it could be just it could happen mountain biking, it could happen anywhere, family trip. Um, you don't know. You you might have to be the hero for yeah. your family someday. Yeah. If a twelve year old kid, you don't know. Right. 
And uh, it's been, that's been the full circle for me is educating others. And if one person learns from this, it was all worth it. Right. You know, that's why I'm so grateful that you were willing to come and talk to us because hopefully somebody will um, listen and learn and um, try to be prepared before they go in. It's, it means the world just to be here talking with you. Mm. Um, It, same. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's the first time you're seeing each other, right? Yeah, yeah. That. yeah that's it awesome. Is, it is. It is. <laughs> Thank you so much, both, for joining me tonight. Mm-hmm. I Thank so appreciate. You. It. I really, really appreciate it. Of course. Um, I know it's not easy to talk about things like this. Um, it's important, but it's important, and um, I know somebody will probably you probably save somebody else's life. So, Hope so. yeah, Paige. Thank you so much for everything yeah, of that you do. <laughs> Right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at pmru.org. You can follow us on Facebook under Portland Mountain Rescue, or you can follow us on Instagram under PMR.